Thanks so much for tuning into 7IM Church's podcast. We are so glad you are here. To connect with us, you can head over to 7imchurch.com slash connect, and we'd love to hear from you. We also post regularly on Facebook at 7IM Church, and we live stream all of our services Sunday morning at 10 a.m. on Facebook and YouTube. We believe that God is moving in our midst, and we are so humbled and excited to be a part. Thank you for listening to today's message. sinless life, but that's not 
the case because actually God uses broken, jacked up, messed up people to share the good news of his gospel. And somebody who's broken and messed up said amen in the house of the Lord. And I ended last week's message with an illustration using fish, okay? Did anybody lose an eyeball last week? All right, praise the Lord. I, 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 got, a little, I got a little crazy, okay? I'm not going to lie. But, but then I heard from several people that all throughout the week they were thinking about that moment. They were, they were thinking about, man, are there really people that, that are in my world that, that are like a fish out of water flopping on the ground trying to find some sort of source of life? And it's my job and my responsibility as a follower of Jesus to go pick them up and bring them to the one who gives everlasting life. And, and that's what my prayer was going into it. Jesus gave his disciples a command. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So let's talk about fishing for a little bit. All right. I lived in South Florida for a few years and me and my buddies, my roommates, we kind of went through this, this season of life where it was like every month we found a different hobby. All right, so we were just we were just having fun. So like one month we were into longboarding, the next month we were into surfing, the next month we were into pickleball. Has anyone ever heard of pickleball before? All right, it's an old person's sport. No, just kidding. But the young people are taking it over. And uh, then one month it was, it was surfing again, and then one month it was fishing. All right, now I grew up in Pennsylvania, and, and I would say I've been fishing before. All right, we've got ponds, we've got lakes, we've got creeks, and so I was pretty excited. All right, I was like, yeah, we're going to go fishing. So when you do a new hobby, you have to start to get all the things right to make it happen. And so I went to the wonderful world of Wally Mart, and, and I picked myself up a fishing pole and, and a tackle box. I was ready to go. Like, I, I've been out to the lake. I've been out to the pond. You know, we've done a little bit of fishing like this. And, and I, I'm ready to go. And, and I, I showed up. And uh, we ended up leaving our apartment at, like, 3 a.m. Because apparently, in Florida time, you you got to get out there before the fish are awake. So they don't hear you coming. And, and then you throw the bait in the water. And then when they wake up, what are they? They're hungry. And so they come and they eat your bait and you get to reel them in. And so we take this spot on this bridge along the coast and we all kind of space out because, you know, I'm territorial. Like, bro, you ain't taking my fish, all right? These are my fishies. Get away from here. And so I, I'm sitting there. It's like 4 a.m. And I'm like, man, woo, this is great. Probably three Red Bulls in at this moment. Nothing. 5 a.m. We're still going. Nothing. 6 a.m. We're still going. The sun finally comes up, and I'm like, all right, there's the sun. Jesus is on my side. Come on, we got some fish. They're waking up. We, we, we hit about 9.30, 10 o'clock, and I still had nothing. I was like, this is stupid. Whose idea was this to pick up this hobby? So I, I gather my stuff up, and I, I start walking along, and I start talking to, to somebody. Hey, how many of y'all catch two, three? Cool. How many of you catch? Don't, don't ask about it. Don't worry about it. All right. We're good. Then, then we find our, our, our buddy, and he's got a cooler full of fish. Like, I, I mean, probably 20, 30 fish. I'm like, bro, how did you do it? Have you ever gone fishing before? He said, my house is right over there. I've been fishing these waters since the time I was a boy. And, and one thing that I learned in that moment is when it comes to fishing, some people are really good at it, but everybody can do it. Right? Like, like anybody can go to Walmart. They can pick up a fishing pole. They can pick up a tackle box, and they can go fish. I, I mean, fishing in and of itself is not defined by catching the fish. It's just the act of going to the water and sitting there. And I'm telling y'all, some of y'all are like messed up because you could sit out at the water for hours and catch absolutely nothing and call it fun. All right, Chad Kirk? I don't get it. Like, like that's fun for you? I, I don't get it, but that's what fishing is. Some people, they're, they're really good at it. But let's be honest, anybody can do it. And when I started to think about this statement that Jesus makes to his disciples, 
follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Well, then I started to think that same statement must be true in regards to sharing our faith. Some people are really good at it. You got your teachers and your preachers and your evangelists. But church, it's time we wake up to the reality that all of us can do it. Okay? Do you believe that in the house of the Lord this morning? Anybody can share their faith. There's actually very few things in life that you can just pick up and go do. Like, like if you're over the age of 50, you're not just going to pick up surfing and, and be good at it. Like, like that's just not something you do. We wonder why certain sports or certain hobbies, it's almost like at any age you can begin. Golf is one of those sports. It, you see people all across the age bracket picking up the sport of golf. Why? Because you don't just pick up the sport of football at the age of 65 and jump on the field ready to get hit by somebody twice your size, right? No, it doesn't happen like that. But our faith, we've got to realize that no matter what age, no matter what season of life we're in, when we give our life to Jesus, he changes our life, he sets us free, that we have an opportunity to jump in and to participate in the kingdom job. To go and share the gospel. Some people are really good at it. But don't let that intimidate you because anybody can do it. And, and as a young leader, I, I try to surround myself with other leaders. And so every Thursday, I'm on this Zoom call with other pastors, and I'm, I'm growing, and I'm learning, and I'm learning what I did wrong. I'm learning what I did right. And one thing that's so important to me is in order for me to get better at the things I'm not necessarily good at, I've got to get around people who are good at it. Right? Like, I'm just saying, y'all, if you're the smartest person in every room you go into, you're probably not growing. We, we need to be around people who are a little bit further than us, who are a little bit wiser than us, who are a little bit more mature than us, so we can learn and grow. And so I want to look at this man, because we're talking about the power of invitation. And when I think of somebody who's really good at it, only one man comes to mind. His name is Jesus. And so I want to look at a story in John chapter 4 of a moment where Jesus had an interaction with somebody and he gave them an invitation. He shared the gospel with somebody and it transformed this woman's life. Remember, the, the, the overarching message of this morning is just like fishing, sharing our faith. Some people are really good at it, but everybody can do it. So let's go to the greatest fisherman of all time. And see just how he does it. John chapter 4, we're starting in verse 1. We're going to read a little bit of God's word this morning, if that's all right with you. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar. Near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph, Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was on his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for me a drink? A woman from Samaria. For Jews typically had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and this well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well, he drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Then Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will in him a spring of water become welling up to eternal life. 
The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here again to draw water. Jesus then said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one now that you are staying with is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither, <clears throat> neither on the mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You will worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must also worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ, and when he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I am he who you speak of. This conversation, if you've been around church for some time at all, you've probably heard of it before. But I want to point out four things that, that Jesus does in this conversation, in this dialogue, in this moment, and, and how it shows us as followers of Jesus how we can interact. We can choose to speak to people, and we can truly make an eternal difference in somebody's life. Number one I want you to see is this. Jesus had to pass through Samaria. If I pulled up a map right now and I showed you how Jesus was making this trek and what it would have looked like, you might argue that that statement is not true. That, well, no, I don't think Jesus had to pass through Samaria. There were actually several other options he could have gone. And, and like most Jews, they typically would go the scenic route just to avoid Samaria. Why? Because at this time, culturally, there was a lot of conflict between Jews and Samaritans. They didn't really see eye to eye. They didn't get along with each other. They, they really didn't like each other. And like I'm just saying, y'all, it sounds a little bit like Mineola. I don't know if I want to go there because I know who's in there right now. So I'm just going to hang out and walk around I know what car they drive in, so I'm not going to show up to that church because I know who's in there. And I'm just going to hang, and I'm going to take the scenic route just to avoid some people. And, and so Jesus, he, he makes it known to us in his word, he had to pass through Samaria. Why? Because he knew an encounter was about to take place. He knew that there was an opportunity for unity to be the message. And, and I'm just saying, church, sometimes we need to pass through the Samarias of our life in order to declare and in order to see unity become the priority. It's going to take us stepping out of the way. It's going to take us going out of our norm. I'm just saying some of us. We live such busy lives that we don't even have an opportunity to walk through Samaria and have an encounter. Somebody said this, so it's not me. I, I don't take credit for this at all, but it was so profound that I feel like I have to share it this morning. Do you guys know what busy means? Busy under Satan's yoke. I'm telling y'all, if the devil can't keep the church divided, he's going to keep the church so busy that we can't love people and see people for who they are in the moment. I, I just had this conversation with somebody the other day. I, actually, it was at our men's prayer breakfast. I, I said, I've never lived in a town where people are so daggum busy. And I've lived in towns where Disney World is two minutes away. Entertainment is all around us. And yet people find a way to rest, relax, and refuel. But you show up to little old Mineola, y'all, and everyone's busy. Like, just take inventory for a minute. 
Ask every single person that you see this week, how are you doing? And take a note of how many of them say, busy. Busy. What are we doing? Why are we so busy? And somebody said, well, Pastor, it's because we're in a small town, so there's not a lot of people to do things. So we end up having to do multiple things. And I just want to tell some of y'all, doing more actually means doing less. Like, is this, a, is this a tension point? I feel some tension in the room. I'm just saying, y'all, sometimes in order to do more, we've got to do less. Well, well our pride is on line if I start saying no to people. My reputation is going to get hurt if I don't say yes to everything. I'm just saying, y'all, we've got to understand as followers of Jesus that we have to have a little bit of room in our life if we want to see God move. Like, we can't pray every day, God, show us the way. Show us somebody to talk to. Give us a move in my life. And then he's looking at your schedule and saying, you haven't made room for me to move. And we wonder why we're not seeing it. Church, we've got to pass through Samaria. What was Jesus trying to teach us? He was trying to teach us that sometimes we need to go the extra mile for people. Sometimes there's people in our lives that are rejected and cast off. And just like he, a Jew, never should have been in this place called Samaria. He said, I know it's not normal for me to be here. I know it's not part of my routine for me to be here. But here's what I want the church to see. We are called to reach the people no one else wants to reach and love the people no one else is willing to love. And it's going to take us going to Samaria to do that. It's going to take us going out of our norm, going out of our way, because I'm telling y'all, every single person is worthy of being seen. Every single person is worthy of being loved. I don't care what they've done. I don't care what they've said. I don't care what they've done to you or said to you. They are worthy of being Loved. And Jesus was trying to show us that the second thing that Jesus does, which is so profound, and we can miss it if we're not careful, is he asks the woman for a drink. He asks the woman for a drink. Verse 7, he says, Jesus said to her, give me a drink. And the woman even knows how profound this is because she re responds with the question. She goes, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria. It's actually revolutionary that Jesus is having this conversation. Number one, Jews did not speak to Samaritans, okay? So that's the first hurdle that he overcomes. The second hurdle that he overcomes is rabbis did not speak to women in public at this time. They, they would not even speak to their own wives or their own daughters in public. They, they had this hierarchy that they thought, oh, this is... This is the way it ought to be, and they're not going. So Jesus says, I'm here to break all of those boundaries and show you what it means to love people. I'm a Jew, and I'm talking to a Samaritan. I'm a rabbi man, and I'm talking to a lady in public. And then the third thing, if she didn't already have two strikes against her, this woman had a jacked up past. She was broken. The reason she was at the well at the time she was is because she was avoiding interacting with people. Like, that wasn't the sixth hour, if you, if you study that. It was the heat of the day. It was one of the hottest moments of the day. And people were smart enough not to go get water from the well at the hottest moment. What were they going to do? They were going to go in the cool of the day. So when they filled up their buckets, they could walk and not sweat to death. But this woman, she had some damaged relationships. She had a bad reputation, and she thought, I'm going to go to the well when nobody else is there just to avoid any sort of interaction. And yet she runs into Jesus. One of the things I love about God is that even in our own lives, we can go out of our way to avoid people or to avoid situations. And we think we're running from God, but what does Jesus know? He knows exactly where to find us, how to find us, and what we need to hear in the exact moment that we need. Jesus asks her for a drink to break down every cultural barrier that we think will hinder us and keep us from loving 
people, here's what I want to ask you this morning. How are we treating the people that we're supposed to be sharing the gospel to? Are we treating them like they're a Samaritan? Are we treating them that they're like a woman that has no value speaking in public? Or are we treating them as a man or woman that the same Jesus who died on the cross for me died on the cross for them? Because when I see the way Jesus interacts, cares for, and loves for this woman, it tells me that that's where our focus ought to be. Maybe, maybe here's our hangup. We're so focused on the sin that they're struggling with that we can't see the humanity that they're in need. We see them as an addict rather than a son, rather than a father, rather than a brother. We see them as a broken project rather than a human being who needs to be loved. Here's what I want you to see this morning. We can't just see people for who they are. But we need to begin to see people for who they can become in Jesus Christ. We don't need to just see people for who they are now. But we need to see them for who they can become in Jesus Christ. But we are so caught up on reputation. We are so caught up on image. We are so caught up on all the things that the world would tell us to focus on that we're missing the greatest thing and the only thing that matters. If we want to share the gospel effectively, one thing Jesus is showing us here is that we have to do it from a place of relationship. If you notice, he begins asking her for a drink. He begins breaking down these walls. He begins to have a conversation. He doesn't just show up. He doesn't, you know, he, this isn't in, in text like this at that time, okay? But just picture like it. Jesus doesn't walk up and just smack the lady over the head with the Bible. Say, so you got to get right. You sinner. You have five ex-husbands and the man you're living with isn't even. What did he do? He sat down. He said, hey, let's have, let's have a conversation. Can you get me a drink? And, and he begins to build a relationship with the woman. He was genuine with no agenda attached. The third thing I want us to see that Jesus does, which is so amazing, is he introduces living water into the discussion. Jesus introduces living water into the discussion. John 4.10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. You see, Jesus knew what she needed. He knew what he could offer to her. And the reality, if you're a follower of Jesus in this room today, and you know people who are living in the world, who are disconnected from Jesus, we know what they need. We know what we can offer them by, by introducing him to Jesus. Jesus knew what she needed. He knew what he could offer her. He knew that her heart was longing for true satisfaction and that he was the answer to everything that she was longing for. Here's what I want us to say. We can actually get so busy building a relationship with somebody that we forget to share the gospel with them. And at some point in our relationship with friends or family or people we're interacting with, we've got to introduce the living water. That, that's our purpose. That, that, that's what we're called to do. We as followers of Jesus, we know the truth of every heart's longing to know, to be loved, and to be in relationship with their Heavenly Father. I'm telling y'all, we've got to start telling people about what Jesus has done in our life, and we've got to start sharing the gospel more. We, we can justify our friendships all day long. Well, Pastor, Jesus was a friend of sinners, so that's why I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to love people. I'm just trying to love them. Well, are you loving them by lying to them? What do you mean? Well, you're not sharing the truth with them. You're not opening up God's word with them. You're not telling them about the living water. 
it's going to be too late, church. What are we waiting for? We've got to start to help people understand that they can trade the water that they're finding satisfaction in right now. That is only a temporary satisfaction. They can trade that in for a living water that never runs dry. For a relationship that will never fail. You know, I think that's one of the hardest things for people to understand. We actually, in America, we like religion sometimes more than we like talking about Jesus because it's easier for us to understand if I do these things, if I check these boxes, then I get to go to heaven. The relationship piece is where some people get hung up on because they've been in so many broken relationships and friendships in their past. But if we start to understand and tell people that the man named Jesus, when you begin a relationship with him, it is a relationship that has no expiration date. It is a relationship that will never fail. It is a relationship that is full of unconditional love. And I'm just telling y'all, there are people that I see every single day that need to know that there is a relationship that is possible that will fully satisfy them will fully bring them joy and will never fail. And it's the relationship in Jesus. Number four, the last thing that Jesus does in this conversation, and he confronts her sin and brokenness. Jesus confronts her sin and her brokenness. And if we're really honest, this is probably our least favorite part. And I want to preface this before I go any further. I want to remind the church of what Pastor Charles challenged us with a few weeks ago. That it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict and to change. It's God's job to judge. And it's our job to love. So how we do this can impact whether or not we are making a significant impact in the kingdom of God. He confronts her sin and her brokenness. We don't like calling out sin. We don't like calling out brokenness in the way that it was intended to be done. I would say for years, the, the church, the greater church as a whole, actually loved calling out sin and calling out brokenness. But they missed the foundation of love. The Bible says we can do all of these things, but if we do not have love. So, so I want us to see that when we do this, we have to understand our goal is not to shame. Our goal is not to condemn. And our goal is not to make anybody feel bad. But if we truly love people, we will be honest with them. We will be honest with them, people will not receive Jesus until what they realize what they have is not currently working. And, and sometimes I'm just tell, telling y'all it happened in my life. Sometimes you need to be the person to walk into somebody's life, to love them where they're at, to see them for who they can become in Jesus. And then to say, hey, brother, hey, sister. I just want you to know there's something greater out there than that cigarette you're smoking. There's actually a greater healer out there that can take away your pain than the alcohol that you're drinking. There's actually a beautiful design for relationship called marriage. And the way that you're living right now, you're actually taking away the opportunity to reap the full benefit and the blessing of it. So, so I just want to be honest with you and, and tell you that because I love you, I want you to know there's a better way. I love you. I'm going to be here for you no matter what. But can I tell you about how Jesus set me free from some of the very things that you're struggling with right now? Can I tell you the fulfillment of joy that I had in my life when I put that thing away? When I stopped watching that stuff, when I stopped lusting over other people, when I realized that all of my authority and all of my worth was found in a man named Jesus, not what other men might say about me. We've got to realize that it is our job to confront the sin and the brokenness of our world, but it is our job to do it with love.
Godly sorrow will lead to repentance. Humanly sorrow will lead to shame. Godly sorrow will lead to repentance. But worldly sorrow will lead to shame. The Bible actually says this in 2 Corinthians 7.10. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. How do we experience godly sorrow? We call out sin and brokenness from a place of love. And people begin to see their heart shattered for the same thing that breaks the heart of God. They turn and they repent to him, and it says there is no regret because they realize the decision to give their life to Jesus was the greatest decision they could have ever made. The last thing that Jesus does is he does what only he can do. We're, we're talking about Jesus here, and I know sometimes we can think, well, that was Jesus. I'm not him. Okay. But we do have a job. We do have a calling. We do have a mission. And, and it is important that we, the church, realize that we can only do what we can do. God's job to love. Holy Spirit's job to change and convict. Our job to love. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 7 says, I planted Apollo's water, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. We can share the message of Jesus. We can love people when they're living in sin. We can want people to be saved so badly that sometimes we can do it so wrongly. We've got to realize that there is a limit to what we can do on our own. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to set some of you free this morning because you've been, you've been praying, you've been speaking, you've been having conversations with sons and daughters, grandsons and granddaughters for years. And you're wondering why they have not changed. And you think, well, I just need to get a little more Jesus in them. No, just keep loving them. Because there's only one thing that God can do. And you can't do it for them. And sometimes we can get a little too pushy and we can actually do more damage than good. We've got to realize that it's our job to love. It's our job to point to truth. But it is not our job to change somebody. People are not projects that need changed or fixed. People are people that need to be loved. So how do we do it? How do we share this gospel? How do we go out into the world and evangelize and share the good news of Jesus Christ? Well, I'm so glad. Y'all are such a chatty group this morning. I love it. I love just having conversations. You know, one of two things has happened here. Either you guys are getting a lot out of this because you're quiet, or this is going right over your head. But that's up for you to decide, all right? Just like fishing, we need a fishing pole, we need a tackle box, we need some practical things to do the thing. So, how do we share the gospel? I'm so glad you asked. I'm going to give you some practical tools to do the thing. Is that alright this morning? Because remember church, my job is not to, to, to share the gospel Yes, it is my job, but it's also my job to equip you to go outside of these four walls and share the gospel. And, and so I want to unpack because I actually believe there's a third thing that keeps us from sharing our faith. We forget our tackle box and our fishing pole. I'm just going to be honest. If we go out there, we got good intentions to tell people about Jesus. And then we're like, oh crap, how do we do this thing? For God so loved the world to get it. But what does it look like practically? Let's look at it, all right? I'm going to use an acronym called BLT. Anyone love BLT sandwiches in the house? Come on, somebody. Hold the mayo, though. I'm not a mayo guy, all right? 
And it's got to be that thick bacon, like the Canadian, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that thick cut. All right, come on, somebody. BLT. That, that's what we're going to call this method of evangelism. And I believe if we can get a hold of this, that we truly can go be the church outside of these walls and make heaven more crowded and see all people experience the fullness of life in Jesus Christ. Number one, B. We've got to build relationships with people. We've got to build relationships with people. There are men and women in this house that I know and I love dearly. And one of the things that I love about them is they have a group of friends and a circle of friends that are not church folk. And I'm just saying, y'all, it's awesome. Because we as the church, we need to start going and building relationships with people that aren't church folk. You need to have your group. And that's why we have small groups. If you're not involved in one, we want to get you involved in one. You need to have your people that are sharpening you as iron sharpens iron. But if the only group of people you're doing life with are people that are saved, ask God to show you some other people to invite into your world. We've got to build relationships with People, that's step number one. Step number two, L, we've got to look for opportunities to share our story. I, I unpacked last week as a follower of Jesus what your story is. Your story is three parts. Who you were before Jesus, how you realized you needed him, and part number three, what your life is like now with Jesus. I'm telling y'all, if we build relationships with people, even before we get to the gospel, and we start telling them about our story, and we start saying, man, I, I remember those days when I was doing this and I was doing that. And man, faithfully, Jesus set me free. Faithfully, God's working on my life. Show them the part of your life that you may not be the most proud of. But I'm telling y'all, it might be the very thing that helps them see that there is a God who loves them despite the sin and the struggle that they're facing right now. Don't be so prideful that you won't take your mask off. We've got to look for opportunities to tell our story. And then number three, this is the part that sometimes we miss. We, we get that group of friends that aren't church folk, and we love them, and we're hanging out with them, and we're doing life with them, and they know our story. Well, we better not forget to tell them the simple gospel. That, that is the overarching purpose of a follower of Jesus. And in case you don't know what the simple gospel is, on your chair when you came in, there was a bookmark. And, and I want you to know I ordered 500 of these. All right, I'm ambitious. And, and 500 is actually not enough. Because we live in a town of Mineola where there's 813 people in this town. And every single person in this community needs to understand this. But we can start somewhere, right? So we're going to go for 500. And there's more on the connection table. I, I would pray that you would feel it in your heart to leave with not just one of these, but 10, 20, 30, 40 of these. Because what I, what I have done and what I have prayed will happen as a result of this is that we would leave these four walls. We would go be the church. And in case some of us, do I have anybody in here that's just a little awkward when it comes to starting conversations with people? All right, I see a few people around. The whole Pike family raised their hand. All right. And that's why the Lord called me into that family, because they need help. Just kidding. I'm just saying, our family party's got a whole lot more exciting when I showed up. Um, so what I wanted to do is a great way to have an icebreaker or a conversation starter is to have something to give somebody. And, and so you just carry these around with you, put them in your car, put them in your bag that you take to work, take them to the gym, whatever. And, and when you see somebody and the Holy Spirit lays it on your heart, hey, go talk to that person. Hand them one of these. Yeah, it's got the, the cross equals love, the super simple message we're promoting. But then on the back, it's got the Romans road to salvation. And so I want to take like 30 seconds because Tate told me he's going to put on the K-State game if I wasn't off by 11. So we're going to get this done. Just kidding. And, uh, but I want to show you what this is because this is a really simple, and if you've been in church at all, you might have heard this before. Some of you might even have this memorized. But this is a simple, tangible, easy way to share the gospel with somebody. The Romans wrote, number one, we are all sinners by nature and by choice. 
Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The second part, we receive eternal life as a free gift. This is amazing because there are not many things, especially in the state of our country right now, that are truly free. And, and one of the things about the goodness and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ is that it is a totally free gift. He paid the price already. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Then we keep going. We must call and surrender to Jesus as Lord. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates that his own love for us in this, that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then the last part is our assurance of salvation, which is through Jesus. Romans 10, 9 through 10, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And then at the very bottom of the bookmark, there's a sinner's prayer for salvation. One thing about that, because I know we're not, we're interdenominational. We've got a lot of different backgrounds in, in this house. But there is not one specific set of religious words that you have to declare in order to be saved. You can invite somebody to have a conversation with their Heavenly Father, and if they totally butcher that word, the wording of this prayer, but their heart is in the right posture, and they are declaring that Jesus is Lord and asking for the forgiveness of sins, that's all that God requires. And I'm telling y'all, it says our salvation is through Jesus. It's not through confessing, and I know we got backgrounds of trying to be careful and honoring, but it's not through confessing to a pope or a priest. It is through going to the very man who gave his life for us. Laying our life down at his feet and saying, Jesus, I need you to be Lord of my life. That's where salvation is found. And I'm telling you all this simple gospel, a true message of love filled with grace, filled with life, and filled with forgiveness is the only thing that we are called to share with this world. I, I changed the signs on the outside of our building. And believe it or not, when I change things, people have opinions. Did y'all know that? But I'm so glad somebody asked me. They said, how do I know what church this is? Your name isn't on the outside of your building. And I said, actually, it's very intentional that I did that because I'm not interested in building 7 a.m. church. I'm interested in sharing the good news of the gospel, that the message of the cross is love. And, and that's what I think our church needs to become more about. I, I love this house. I, I, I'm honored and humbled that God has called me to lead and to shepherd this house. But at the end of the day, it's not about 7 a.m. church. It's not about Pastor Michael and the words that he speaks. It is only about the man named Jesus with fire in his eyes that loved us so much that at the end of our life, he looked at that cross and he said, I don't deserve any of the pain, the torture, or the hell that is coming before me. But there are people that I love that I want to redeem back into relationship with my heavenly father. So, Father, take this cup from me. But if it is your will, then let your will be done. That is the mission. That is the message, and the invitation is always open. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you. We thank you for the simplicity of your gospel. God, we thank you that it truly is a free gift. You say in your word that all who call upon the name of Jesus will be saved. So, God, I thank you that that doesn't disqualify anyone from the opportunity to be in relationship with you, no matter what they've done, no matter where they've been, no matter what's been done to them, what's been said about them. None of it matters because you say the minute anyone calls upon the name of Jesus, they shall be saved. And so I want to give an opportunity in this moment of prayer right now. That if you're in this room this morning and you don't yet have that relationship with Jesus, I want to invite you to begin one today. And I'm telling you, the minute that you give your life to Jesus, your life will change for the better. It's not going to be perfect, 
There might still be struggles. But I'm telling y'all, you will find and experience forgiveness. You will find and experience a peace that surpasses all understanding. You will realize that there is now a hope that you have to live for tomorrow, even if today looks horrible. And that there is a Father in heaven who loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die. So if you're in this room this morning, I, I just shared the gospel. We've all fallen and we fall short. That salvation is a free gift and it is only found through Jesus Christ. We read the words in the Bible that say that anyone who declares with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead on the third day shall be saved. So if you're in the room this morning and you need to have that conversation with your Heavenly Father, do it right now. I'm telling you, I can attest, I've tried everything this world has to offer. But it was only when I found the true living water that my life was changed forever. And He can begin to change your life right now. Holy Spirit, I invite you into this church and to every soul in this room that calls themselves a follower of Jesus. That, God, you would overflow the gates of heaven right now with a spirit of boldness and courage into every heart of every believer in this room. That, God, we would understand that the church is not for walls and a steeple, but it is the very people that have called you by name and declared that you are Lord and have been filled with your Holy Spirit who are going to leave those four walls and share the good news of this gospel all throughout this world. God, give us the strength. Give us the boldness. Give us your hope. Jesus, we love you. It's in your precious and holy name all of God's children said. Amen. amen and amen. Well, hey, church, I want to end today. Can we? I want to try something new, all right? So somebody said to me a few weeks ago, I just feel like service just like abruptly ends. All right? And they're like, can we go back into worship? Some weeks we might, all right? But what I want to do is, is I've said it before, and I'm going to start to say it a lot more. Because the minute I get sick of saying it, y'all begin to just start saying it, all right? So if you get annoyed with it, just know there's somebody else that needs to keep hearing it, all right? But, but church, it, it's not about what God does here that matters. We, we gather together on Sundays to celebrate what God is doing in the life of his church Monday through Saturday. And, and so I want to give a declaration, and I want us to declare this over our own lives at the end of every service every week. That God would help us, you guys, to go be the church. All right? So we're going to practice this a few times, all right? So we're going to say, God, we love you. God, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Holy Spirit, we invite you. All right? And now when I say to help us go, don't repeat that. Don't just shout, be the church. All right? You ready? To help us go. Be the church. All right. Let's try it again. All right, let's get fired up. Come on, stand to your feet. Why don't you go? Come on. All right, God, we love you. God, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Holy Spirit.